Sukkah, Perak Aleph, Mishnah Ches, 1-8. The Mishnah continues to discuss how one deals with invalid schach on his sukkah. The Mishnah says, Hamikare sukaso, if one, so to speak, roofed his sukkah, meaning he used long, thin pieces as if they were like joists for a ceiling, and went from end to end in a series of them across the top of his, what will become his sukkah. And he used... Bashipudin, he used metal spits, obarucha samita, or he used long wooden slats that came from a bed, like the side boards of a bed that are long enough to reach from end to end on top of his sukkah. So that by itself will certainly not be kosher for sach. The shipudin, those metal spits, are not kosher because uh, utensil, it's made out of metal, klimatachet, it's makabal tumah, it's susceptible to tumah. Um, at all events, meaning it doesn't need to have a base keyboard, doesn't have a receptacle in order to be tumor susceptible, in contrast to wooden utensils, which are called pshute clayates. They're, if they don't have a receptacle, they're called just simply um, flat pieces of wood. And a flat piece of wood, like a, a wooden spit, for example, would not be susceptible to tumor. But these are metal spits, and metal in all events as a utensil is tumor susceptible, and as we said already before, for a Something to be kosher schach, it has to be impervious to tumah. So the metal spits are, for many reasons, that one of one of, being one of them would be unacceptable as schach. A wooden spit, it seems, would be okay as schach, but not the case of our Mishnah. As for arucho samita, those are the long wooden slats that are the sides of a bed. The beds in the time of the Mishnah were essentially just very simple cots, and we're going to say that they're not acceptable as schach. Now the question is why? Why can't you use a broken slat from made out of wood from a bed as your schach? We had in the previous Mishnayas that if you had used wooden slats that are less than three or four tfachim wide, so then they are kosher, they're acceptable as schach, and that's the case over here. These aruchas are less than even three tfachim across. So they're flat wooden pieces, and therefore they should be acceptable. And indeed, midorais, they would be acceptable. The thing is, they're not acceptable Midrabanan. And the reason why is because when you're taking these long, thin slats from the bed, the bed had been a utensil that was susceptible to tuma. Beds, in all events, are tuma susceptible, although this bed is a simple cot and it might be actually indeed just like basically a flat board on legs, making it essentially pshutikle eights, like a flat board without a receptacle, and therefore, as you said, a wooden receptacle without a excuse me, a wooden utensil without a receptacle should not be too much susceptible. However, a bed is anyways. And the reason why is because they're susceptible to what's called tumas medris. Um, the zav, the zava, the nida, and the oledes convey tuma to things simply by, by sitting or leaning or standing on them if those things are designed to support human weight. Um, this is also known as mishkav, merkav, and moshav, the kind of things that you um, lie on, sit on, or ride on. So a bed you lie on, of course, designed to support human weight, and therefore, even though the bed hasn't got a base keyboard or receptacle, it is susceptible to tumah. If a zav sits on a bed, or a nida sleeps on a bed, even without direct contact, even, you know, with 10 mattresses, for instance, in the B-style, the bed down below becomes tummy with medras as an avatumah. And that being the case, beds are tumah susceptible. And there's a din de rabbanon here, that if you take a piece of wood from a utensil which had been susceptible to tumah, even though now that it's broken, it's called shivrei kalim, a broken utensil, and shivrei kalim are not susceptible to tumah, 
which means again midoraisa these aruchos are made to these long wooden slats from the bed should indeed be acceptable for schach midoraisa because they are wood they grew from the ground and no longer susceptible to tuma midorabon and they said anything that came originally from a utensil that was susceptible to tuma cannot be used after the fact even if it's broken off because people always get confused and the next thing they'll be using proper utensils okay so for those reasons both the metal spit and the long boards from beds are unacceptable as schach and here you set them sort of as like the main joists if you will or the cross beams to support your schach on top of your sukkah or just on the top of your sukkah they alone won't be okay but says the mishnah if they're equally spaced apart and between each of the spits there's a space as wide as the spit literally um, and in the space you fill it with kosher schach so then, kashera, then your sukkah is kosher. Now, the truth of the Gemara says, if it really were exactly 50-50, you know, the exact same width of spit, middle spit, or board from a bed, and then kosher schach, no, the sukkah would not be kosher, because remember, you need to have the majority of the sukkah covered in shade that is cast from kosher schach. But here the case the Mishnah is, it's almost the same, meaning it's like 50.1% cast from kosher schach and 49.9% coming from the metal spits or from the wooden boards from the bed. In that case, the sukkah will be kosher. Um, fine. That's that. That's the first case of the Mishnah. We had something similar in the previous Mishnah. We talked about um, moving every other um, board from the from the house that you'd built the roof on already, um, but hadn't yet put the, the plaster. So the same principle here would apply over there. And I kind of, you know, sidestepped it over there, if you recall. Meaning that, indeed, if it were exactly 50-50 board and kosher schach, it would not be acceptable. But if it's just slightly more, 50.1% kosher schach and 49.9% board, it would be acceptable over there as well. Okay, the next part of the mission is a new case altogether. The case is hachotet begadish. If one um, like excavates out a haystack, lasos bosukah, in hopes of creating a little like cave inside the haystack, which will serve as a sukkah, ain't a sukkah, no, it's not valid as a sukkah. Now, the reason why, we've actually mentioned this already in passing before, is the Pasuk and Devarim, Perik Tezayin, Pasuk Yud Gimel, that's 1613, it says, which says you have to make the sukkah, the booth, and the drasha is, you have when you, the, since the sukkah is defined by its schach, you have to ta'as, you have to make it, that's schach, and not below min ha'asui, and it can't be schach that just happened to already been there from before, which now you've um, automatically, so to speak, turned into schach before with something else. And that's what's happening here, right? You have a haystack. The top layer of hay on top of the stack was not laid down to provide, to be sochech, to cover something providing it with, with shade. No, it was just a haystack. And what you've done is you've carved out a hollow in the middle of the haystack, and now magically what you have on the top of the haystack now is casting shade on the cavern, cavernous, you know, hole, cavity inside the haystack. But that is not acceptable since you didn't put the hay down to create that shade. You just sort of backed into it. That's called minha asui and not taasi. to make it. This minha asui was made already, and therefore your sukkah is not kosher. Hypothetically, if you would like take off the top layer then and then put it back on again, so now of course you have a kosher sukkah. As far as assuming, of course, that the rest of the considerations are met, meaning that you're the area of the 
cavity inside of the haystack is 7 by 7 tfachim and 10 tfachim high. Don't forget that. In fact, the Bartonora brings an additional case here to make sure the point is clear. He says, hypothetically, if you had a little niche in the ground and you thought, oh, I'll put a haystack on top of the niche to cast a shadow and make like a little, like, let's say like a play area for my kids shaded from the sun beneath the haystack in that niche. Um, so now, if the depth of the niche, meaning from the ground of the niche until the bottom of the haystack is less than 10 tefachim, so you have not got a kosher sukkah because it hasn't got the requisite height. But if you would then, you know, dig up from the bottom, hollowing out the niche more to make a bigger area, once you got to 10 tefachim high from the ground to the bottom of the haystack, and again, assuming you have 7 by 7 tefachim wide in the niche, so now that indeed would be a kosher sukkah. Why? Because when you put down the haystack, you put it for the sake of casting a shadow, making a shaded area, and the walls do not have the same requirement as the schach. The schach of the sukkah must be tasev lomana asu. You have to make it for the sake of schach and not like back into it. But the walls don't need to be that way. So here, originally you laid down schach to make a shadow. The walls are not big enough. But then you sort of carved into the haystack to make walls, and the walls now can be made out of haystack. It's not a problem to get to your ten tefachim high. So now those were minha asli, but it doesn't matter. The walls could be minha asli. They could be from, could back into those walls that were made there already from something else. And such a haystack on top of a niche that you hollowed out from the bottom could indeed be a kosher sukkah.